say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The heavily redacted FISA application was released Friday and confirms the deep state relied on Hillary's fictitious dossier to spy on the Trump campaign. Hollywood has a major pedophilia problem and it's being exposed on Twitter. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirstRadio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. And you can share it with your friends, start an argument, weigh in on the conversation, and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is broadcast each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern on the new Mojo 5.0 radio station on Dash Radio and on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio. But if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com. Well, <laughs> we finally got a look at this FISA application, sort of, sort of, because um, it was requested uh, under a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act, application by the New York Times, which is odd because now the New York Times is complaining Basically, um, the subtext of most of their articles on this are complaining uh, that the government actually produced this FISA application that they had requested under the Freedom of Information Act. But this uh, application that they have finally released after so much uh, debate is uh, so heavily redacted that um, you're really not sure that you're getting the full picture. But what you are able to tell uh, from the FISA application is that uh, the FBI and the DOJ relied heavily on this uh, fictitious dossier produced by a foreign national paying uh, Kremlin sources to uh, spin yarns, uh, lies, to discredit Donald Trump and paid for by the Democrat National Committee and Hillary Clinton. And that the FBI and the DOJ knew that while they were applying for this application, but did not share that inconvenient little fact with the FISA court. Now, the New York Times and all of the other leftists are pointing to the fact that there's language in there that says that the uh, dossier was produced by somebody who wanted to uh, find uh, negative information on Donald Trump, but someone who wanted to find negative information on, uh, uh, on Donald Trump doesn't rise to the level of his opponent or his uh, um, 
opponent in the presidential election or the Democrat National Committee that are both pure and um, unadulterated political operations. And they submitted this application four separate times to uh, eavesdrop on Carter Page. And they never let it slip the origin of the fictitious dossier. In addition to the dossier, the FBI relied on uh, Michael Isakoff and his reporting on the dossier that was provided by none other than the dossier's author, author um, Christopher Steele. So you got a bit of circular uh, self uh, reinforcement uh, there that also was not revealed to the FISA judges. They um, they characterized Carter Page as pro or having probable cause to believe that he was a, a foreign acting on behalf of a foreign government, and this was in 2016. Now, in 2014, the FBI. Notice that um, Russian agents were talking about approaching Carter Page and trying to make him into uh, um, a spy. They notified Carter Page. Carter Page wore a wire and cooperated with the FBI in order to um, to catch these uh, these Russian spies and uh, was uh, cleared for this. So now that it becomes convenient in 2016 when they're trying to find an end to the Trump presidential campaign. They, they know that Carter Page has, uh, has resisted these efforts and that he's being watched, and yet they represented to the FISA court that he was uh, probably a, uh, acting on behalf of a foreign government. But given most of this application has been redacted, um, you really can't say uh, definitively what it is, but, but what you can say is that the, uh, the application expresses uh, this, this misrepresentation to the court that Carter is an agent of the Russian foreign government. It says that Carter Page, redaction, 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 knowingly engages in clandestine intelligence activities other than intelligence gathering, for are on behalf of a foreign power which act, act which activities involve or are about to involve the violation of criminal statutes of the United States or knowingly conspires with other persons to engage in such activities. If if you believe any of that had a shred of proof to it, Carter Page would be sitting in a jail right now. The pressure on Robert Mueller to find some connection to the Trump campaign is unbelievable. You can bet that they have cleared Carter Page long ago, probably one of the very first things they looked at in this investigation. Otherwise, they would have uh, jumped on him like a duck on a June bug. Page has never been charged with anything, and so we know for a fact at this point that Obama's FBI and DOJ were wrong about Carter Page and probably, I would argue, misrepresenting what they what they actually believe. They uh, they uh, represent in this this application a description of Christopher Steele that is totally deceptive to the FISA court. 
It says the U.S.-based law firm that hired an identified uh, U.S. person to conduct research regarding candidate number one's ties to Russia. Uh, that's Donald Trump. Uh, the identified U.S. person hired source number one to conduct the research. The identified U.S. person never uh, advised source number one as to the motivation behind the research into candidate one's ties to Russia. The FBI speculates that the identified U.S. person was likely looking for information they could use to discredit candidates one campaign. You think? So, so Christopher Steele hired by uh, Hillary Clinton and the, the uh, DNC through their, uh, their, their law firm so that they can claim attorney-client work uh, product privilege and, and keep this secret, hires Christopher Steele, a former um, MI6 spy for the United Kingdom, and Christopher Steele never bothers to ask who he's working for. Uh, if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. The identified U.S. person um, that they uh, they are talking about, I'm sorry, is not Christopher Steele. It's Glenn Simpson, the head of Fusion GPS. Source number one is Christopher Steele. The, G the DOJ statement that the FBI speculates that the identified U.S. person, Simpson, was likely looking for information to discredit candidate one, Trump, could only have been an intentional effort to deceive the fives of judge. The FBI knew perfectly well that the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC had hired Fusion GPS, Simpson, and, and Steele. And there was no speculation about whether they were likely motivated by uh, wanting to find uh, information to discredit candidate one. There was no doubt about that. And this application relies in a, in a just incredible way on news stories published in the, in the opposition media that was virulently anti-Trump, despite the fact that Trump, um, you know, was, uh, was on, on course to win the election. So these are partisan press accounts that the FBI incorporated into this, this FISA application. In it, it says in Ju July 2016, an article in an identified news organization reported that candidate one's Trump cam uh, campaign worked behind the scenes to make sure that political party one's platform would not call for giving weapons to the Ukraine to fight Russian and rebel forces. So that, that's basically just an effort not to tie the uh, pre incoming president's hands. Uh, we all know now that Donald Trump, in fact, did authorize uh, lethal weapons to the Ukraine so that they could defend their territory. Unbelievable. What is this? Speculation in the U.S. media goes on to cite that. Really pitiful stuff. Since the, uh, and, and none other than James Comey signed off on this. Andrew McCabe was in on it. John Kerry was, uh, was a possible uh, a signatory to this stuff. Sally Yates signed off on one of them. The same Sally Yates that we know now framed 
um, Lieutenant General, um, oh shoot, can't remember his name, but uh, uh, Flynn, Michael Flynn, framed him under the Logan Act. Really? we got to run out to a break. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back right after these messages on America First Radio. So remember back in uh, March, I believe it was, of 2017, when Donald Trump tweeted out that Saturday morning that it appeared that Barack Obama's uh, Department of Justice had eavesdropped on his campaign and and what an outrage that was. And the media immediately leapt to try to discredit uh, the president on this. They said, oh, no, uh, our our intelligence services and, and law enforcement agencies would never, ever do such a thing just to allege something like that is out, absolutely outrageous. You take that back. And this went on for a couple of weeks, dragging every administration uh, um, cabinet member through the mud on this, screaming questions at the president as he went to his, his uh, helicopter or badgering Sarah Sanders. Oh, it's just outrageous that Trump would ever, ever even suggest such a thing. Well, it wasn't too long after that. I think it's about three months that it comes out that, in fact, they were eavesdropping on uh, the, the campaign and, uh, and members of the campaign. And then, not too much longer after that, it turns out that they were actually employing spies to run at the Trump campaign and dangle... Um, uh, uh, incentives before them in order to collude with the Russians. And at each step of the way, the Washington Post and the New York Times just uh, switched gears into their latest outrage uh, and enabled, uh, made excuses at every step for uh, increased evidence of lawlessness within the Trump administration's law enforcement and, and, and intel agencies. And, uh, and when Devin Nunes last year came out with his, uh, his memo, they pounded on that for uh, about uh, two weeks. That just This is outrageous that Devin uh, Nunes would release information that shows that we have been wrong on our reporting on this at every step of the way. Not only wrong, but dishonest. And now we have this FISA memo, and lo and behold, it shows that Devin Nunes was dead on in, uh, in releasing this memo. It proves almost without a doubt that, that uh, Nunes was right. We can't say for sure because of all of these redactions, but we have the memo. We have this redacted version of the uh, FISA application, and we can compare the two. And if you do so, it shows that the Nunes memo was overwhelmingly accurate, almost exactly dead on. A lot of Democrats fought it tooth and nail. They didn't ever want to release that. No, uh, that lets you know that uh, that it was uh, 
probably very close to accurate. But now they're equivocating and uh, prevaricating, and they're trying to cast shade on this uh, uh, this this uh, memo again because it makes them, quite frankly, look like a fool. So uh, in the memo, um, back in uh, I, I guess it's been about two two three months ago now, uh, Nunez wrote. The committee wrote, I should say, the FBI and DOJ obtained one initial FISA warrant targeting Carter Page and three FISA renewals from the uh, from the FISA court. As required by 50 U.S.C. 1805, the FISA order on an American citizen must be renewed every 90 days. Then Director Comey signed off on the FISA applications in question on behalf of the FBI. And Andrew McCabe signed one. Sally Yates signed another. All of that's accurate. I could go on and on. I'm not going to. You know, a lot of people ask me, well, so what? They they spied on Carter Page. Carter Page was a very low-level uh, volunteer for the campaign. He was really, you know, just tapped by the campaign in order to try to uh, fill out some sort of advisory board that they could say were offering uh, guidance on, on uh, foreign policy. Uh, Carter Page was there with regard to energy issues. Carter Page, by the way, in, in case you didn't know it, is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis. He served honorably in the United States Navy. He has been uh, engaged in uh, the energy sector since he was uh, finished his military service. And he has, uh, he has worked in uh, Russia in the energy sector because Russia is a major energy player. It, was as, it would be as if... You try to hold some uh, some American energy worker uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia, responsible for the for the outrages of the um, the oil sheiks over there. But people people say, well, you know what what in the world has uh, Carter Page got to do with anything? You know, he's a minor a volunteer here. Well, well, there is a little known provision in the uh, in the intelligence and law enforcement services when they're spying on somebody that they uh, they are approved to go out one or th- uh, two or three hops from the initial subject this was de- actually described in the Washington Post this uh, this insight came from NSA deputy director John Ignalius when analysts think they have cause to suspect an individual, they will look at everyone that person has contacted, call called the first hop away from the target. Then, in a, uh, an increasing series of exponential ripples, they look at everyone, all those secondary people communicated with. And from that pool, they look at everyone who's uh, who has just... Uh, you know, been in contact with those. Those are called the second and third hops. It's sort of the spy version of the six degrees of separation by Kevin Bacon. That is scary. So you get a a warrant for Carter Page. You get to listen to anybody that he talks to, and you get to listen to anybody that he's talked to, anybody that they've talked to. It's astounding. If the average American calls 40 people, the three-hop analysis could allow the government to mine the records of 
wait for it, 2.5 million Americans when investigating just one suspect. So if the average American under one of these Pfizer warrants calls 40 people under this three hop analysis, the government could in fact go after the records of 2.5 million Americans. And this is the kind of stuff that Ron Paul complains about constantly. And, and he is like a, a voice in the wilderness. And he keeps telling everybody, like uh, like um, William Dawes and, and Paul Revere, like how I did that, that this uh, these intelligence officers only need a rubber stamp from this FISA war, uh, court, and they can learn everything they need to know about just about any American citizen. These intelligence community uh, uh, officials point out that the FISA court comprised of regular federal judges confirmed by the Senate and hand-selected by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, approved these guidelines based on the laws that Congress passed. It's called Section 215. So this is why all they had to do is get their hands on somebody that was in some way connected to the Trump campaign and get a FISA warrant on them, and then they're off to the races. You didn't read that in the, in the New York Times or the Washington Post, did you? Because they're too busy over there at each stage of the, of, of the deep state being exposed in this wrongdoing, writing, uh, writing long-winded, deep-thinking excuses for all of what's going on. If you really want to read what's going on, read Andrew McCarthy in in, uh, National Review. Here he was appearing on Fox and had had this to say about these five applications. He's a former federal prosecutor, by the way. Come on. Man, oh, man. I'm really embarrassed because I told people for months that this could never, ever happen. What, what I told people was that you're not even going to hear about the dossier when we finally learn what's in the FISA warrants, that what the FBI will do is what the FBI always does, which is they'll take seven or eight facts. We got to run out to a break. We'll hear the rest of that clip when we come back right after these messages on America First Radio. The opposition media is doing absolutely everything in their power. They're putting all of their writing skills and their production um, abilities to work around the clock, basically trying to erase objective truth. They they are very skilled storytellers, and the story they tell at each step of the uh, exposure of the deep state corruption involving the spying on the Trump campaign is that it's all just normal. First, it didn't happen. It's normal. Then it didn't happen, it's normal. It didn't happen, it's normal. And right now they're back in the it didn't happen 
mode. No, I'm sorry. They're back in the uh, it's normal mode. And they're writing these stories claiming that, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just normal that the D uh, Department of Justice and the FBI would take an uh, opposition research document financed by the Democrat Party to, uh, to hire a foreign agent to gather negative information from the Kremlin, basically, and use against Donald Trump. Well, that, that's just normal. That makes perfectly good sense. And oh, by the way, Carter Page is a spy. Never mind that if he, if he even claimed close to being a spy, if they had anything to believe he was actually a spy, he would be in jail a long time ago. But Jake Tapper wasn't taking no for an answer. I'm going to play you kind of a long clip here of him uh, uh, badgering Carter Page, just insisting that it was perfectly reasonable for, uh, for the FBI and the Department of Justice to seek a FISA application to listen to his communications and everybody that he contacted and everybody that they contacted. Here it is. Well, were you ever an agent of a foreign power? Did you ever advise the Kremlin or work with the Kremlin on anything? You see how he did that? He, he jumped from an agent of foreign power, which is somebody that's designed to try to undermine uh, the American government, to advising the, uh, the Russian government on energy matters. Look, Jake, I... Uh no, I've ne I've never been an agent of the foreign uh, power in any by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I, I may have uh, back in the G20 when they were getting ready to do that in St. Petersburg, I might have uh, participated in a, a few meetings that a lot of people, including people from the Obama administration, were sitting on in Geneva, uh, Paris, etc. But I've never been uh, anywhere near what's being described here. And but you, so you have advised the Kremlin in the past. Uh, that was 2000. So you advised the Kremlin on, on energy markets. I gotcha. He had something to do with the Russia. I mean, you could say this about so many people. If, if, if this is the standard, there's a huge universe of spies uh, in American business and American foreign policy. And, and, and well, hell, Bill Clinton's a spy. He, uh, he went over there and, uh, and met with Putin and gave us a, a, a speech to a bunch of Russian bankers. He's a spy. Oh, and by the way, so is uh, Jill Stein of the Green Party. She attended a, meet, uh, a, a, a conference re regarding RTTV, just like uh, Michael Flynn did. Spies, spies. You know, to call this McCarthyism really over uh overstates what mccarthyism was back in those days you had a, a few newspapers or you had one or two newspapers in every city now you've got this this explosion of media and they're all trying to outdo each other to with, with these reckless and over-the-top statements they're all trying to scream harder than the next talking head in order to try to break through all this noise back to this clip jake tapper just will not take no for an answer 13 that g20 meeting i believe look it was a, there were experts from around the world talking about energy issues and i was one of countless 
company, you know, myself and a lot of academics and business people who were involved in these various discussion center uh, sessions, but it was nothing. But, the, but, but you did advise the Kremlin. I mean, I'm just, I just want to make, make it clear. You did advise the Kremlin back in 2013 or 2012, somewhere in there. Jake, that's, it's really spin. I mean, I, I was set in on, on some meetings, but, you know, to call me an advisor, I think, is, is way over the, over the top. Except in the 2013 letter you wrote, that's a, you, it says, quote, over the past half year, I have had the privilege to serve as an informal advisor to the staff of the Kremlin in preparation for the presidency of the G20 summit next month, where energy issues will be a prominent point on the agenda. That's August 2013. How is that spying? Advising them on energy markets. You're an energy market specialist, and you're advising them on that. He says that he's an informal advisor, probably trying to uh, sort of uh, exaggerate his resume. But Jake Tapper's got him. That's yourself calling yourself an informal advisor to the Kremlin. You know, informal having some conversations with people. I mean, this is really nothing and just an attempt to distract from the real crimes that are shown in this uh, misleading document. You know, page eight, it says, it talks about disguised propaganda, including the planning, planting of false or misleading articles, which is exactly what this is. So that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black uh, so by Mr. Comey and co. One of the things that's interesting is the documents uh, make it clear that they were relying on information from Christopher Steele, but not only on information from Christopher Steele. No, they were also relying on, Chris, uh, on information from Christopher Steele that he gave to Michael Isikoff. And, and, uh, and the, um, the writer over there at Mother Jones as well. They had a big circular echo chamber. They were claiming it as multiple sources when, in fact, it was all coming from Christopher Steele. Uh, it includes uh, a, a FISA warrant and three renewals in which officials of both the Obama administration and the Trump administration. I love how the, uh, the media loves uh, to say, oh, they were in the Trump administration. Well, yeah. Because they're holdovers uh, that are that are burrowed into the deep state, that are carrying out their campaign that they announced uh, right before the election, or right after the election, I should say, and that was to bring down this presidency. Over several months, assert that you're an agent of a foreign power, and then it was signed off the the FISA application and then three renewals by four judges, all of them appointed by Republicans. So this isn't who were given incomplete information that wouldn't dare not sign off on it. If they were so um, confident in the information contained in this, why did they work so hard to hide it? Hide the identity of Christopher Steele and who in fact paid for this information. And you might have wanted to mention someplace in there that none of the information in this dossier had been confirmed at the time, and in fact, much of it was obvious, obviously bogus. This Christopher Steele or James Comey, this is many, many people over... Yeah, it's many, many people in the DOJ and FBI engaged in misconduct before the FISA court. And the FISA court ought to be, right now, engaging in sanctions against these people, but because they're so tied into the swamp... They don't dare step forward and do that. Two administrations, four judges appointed by Republicans over and over, believing that you are an agent of a foreign power. Believing based on false information. Or how do you respond to that? 
Actually, it'd be a good question for the, for them, Jake, is whether they uh, they uh, believe that what they did was appropriate now. You know, again, they were misled. And if people are giving them, typically when the Department of Justice is giving a court information, you know, I think it's reasonable for a judge to believe that that's true. Unfortunately, you know, uh, Mr. Berman, Jeffrey Berman, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, has been doing similar things, including a number of false uh, false pleadings in my uh, in my case um, there. So I'm hoping that Department of Justice will take steps to start correcting the uh, false record in uh, a number of courts. Let's, let's, know, the, the truth of the matter is these FISA warrants were based on the dossier. Um, if there was no dossier, if they had not funneled this th thing through um, Bruce Orr and, um, and, and, um, uh, 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 John Brennan and, uh, Jim Carrey or John Kerry over there at the state department. There never would have been this FISA application and they never would have taken out <clears throat> after the Trump campaign with this illegal surveillance. And if you want to know why Robert Mueller is there day after day, uh, putting pressure on everybody involved in the Trump campaign is to continue the cover up of this misconduct. Here's Byron York, who was one of the very first people to get a copy of this FISA application. Well, uh, they said, uh, the, the memo says that the dossier was an essential part of this, uh, of this application. And as Vicky said, they, it goes on to say that, that uh, they wouldn't have done it without the dossier. And, and I've been told there are really four things that they cite as the reason for this warrant. It's the dossier, it's that Michael Isakoff article, uh, it's the Papadopoulos case. In Yahoo News, correct? The, yeah, in Yahoo News. It's the Papadopoulos case, and it's Carter Page's history. Uh, but what I'm told is the dossier was by far the biggest of all of those. So it was absolutely essential, and it really supports this idea that if without the dossier, there's no application. Without the dossier, there's no application. You don't have to take Byron York's word for it. It was said so by Andrew McCabe testifying before the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, so th that is the that is the nub that is the bedrock of this current scandal. I want to before we uh, go out to break, I want to talk about a, a a little interesting phenomena here. The more unhinged and the more over the top, the more wild and reckless the media get, the higher this president's approval rates uh, become because the people don't ha have any faith. In the news media anymore they have blown all their credibility and by bringing on these people that like brennan who obviously has a um an axe to grind talking about treason and impeachment and all this people don't trust him anymore and president trump's approval ratings have increased according to wall street journal and nbc polls and they're they're probably going to go much higher it's truly remarkable that with these constant and over-the-top attacks from the media people have really sort of woken up to the reality that there are, this fake news is, is designed not to inform, but to deceive. Got to go out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, pedophile outbreak in Hollywood right after these messages on America First Radio.
you know, there's probably no more politically correct place in this world than Hollywood, California, and the denizens of, of the entertainment industry. You're not allowed to joke about anything out there. You're not allowed to joke about race. You're not allowed to joke about... Um, you're not definitely not allowed to joke about women anymore in this Me Too movement. You're not allowed to really have a humor about anything. There is one thing, though, that Hollywood apparently doesn't mind at all, and that's that's uh, jokes about raping children and uh, and molesting children and and just unbelievable. This this last weekend on Twitter, there was just sort of an explosion of uh, people being exposed, Hollywood types, actors, comedians, directors, uh, with these tweets. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read them here. I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna put this stuff out there. Just the, the most vile and disgusting stuff you can imagine. And it cost uh, one of these guys, James Gunn, who's supposed to be the director for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, a Marvel Comics franchise cost him his job because they went back, I guess, seven or eight years and found some tweets um, that this guy put out that were just truly despicable. Talking about child molestation, raping babies, all this kind of just gross stuff. Um,. There was a big effort that rallied around this. He was exposed. These tweets were exposed by Mike Cernovich online. And uh, Hollywood immediately started rallying around this guy. You didn't see anybody rally to the defense of Roseanne Barr. But apparently um, babies don't deserve any protection. Nothing's off limit out there uh, uh, when it comes to child molestation and pedophilia in, in, uh, in uh, Hollywood. But eventually, Disney, who was uh, the uh, the owners of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, had to fire uh, James Gunn because it was totally indefensible. These these things. And then all these people come out of the wood uh, woodwork: uh, Patton Oswalt and um, Dave Batista, uh, uh, defending. James Gunn, and there was an article that actually appeared in Yahoo News that said that uh, the James Gunn was fired after being attacked by white supremacists. <laughs> didn't mention what he was fired for. Didn't justify the fact that, or, or didn't try to, uh, yeah, justify calling Mike Cernovich and and the other people that were. Uh, angry about this white supremacists it's just they went back to their regular old um strategy when all else fails call your opponent a racist and a white supremacist but then um uh david ian black a comedian he had a bunch of his tweets exposed that were even worse than james gunn's and he, uh, he went on this long tirade uh, accusing everybody of uh, not having a sense of humor about this despicable topic. 
And if you read his his defense of this, you realize that the guy is thoroughly and certifiably insane. Then it comes out this uh, this other TV exec. I think he is um, what is uh, Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon is the creator and uh, director of Rick and Morty and also uh, NBC's Community. He had to delete his entire Twitter account because it came to light that there was a YouTube video on there, a little production of Dan Harmon raping a baby, uh, not a real baby, a, a baby doll on camera, laughing about it, talking about Raping babies. He um, hasn't lost his job yet, but I certainly would hope he's going to. He's got a new pilot out called Daryl. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that that was what he called this video. Uh, He called it a controversial pilot called Daryl, in which he's doing this. But, you know, you wonder if there are so many perverts in Hollywood that that feel empowered to post this kind of trash on the Internet. Imagine, just imagine how much of it is hidden in Washington, in um, Hollywood. It reminded me, uh, Corey Feldman last year um, went public about his uh, his childhood out in Hollywood and and uh, here's what he had to say on, uh, on a documentary about it. I can tell you that the number one problem in Hollywood was and is and always will be pedophilia. That's the biggest problem for children in this industry. The casting couch even applies to children. Oh, yeah. Not in the same way. It's all done under the radar. Nobody talks about pedophilia. It's the big secret. And it's widespread? Oh, yeah. I was surrounded by them when I was 14 years old, surrounded, literally, didn't even know it. It wasn't until I was old enough to realize what they were and what they wanted and what they were about and the types of people that were surrounding me till I went, oh my God, they were everywhere like vultures. Vultures who Feldman says abused him and his best friend, the late child actor Corey Haim, his co-star in The Lost Boys. Well, what happens if my mom is dating the head vampire? Feldman says the trauma of that pedophilia contributed to Haim's death. There's one person to blame in the death of Corey Haim, and that person happens to be a Hollywood mogul, and that person needs to be exposed, but unfortunately I can't be the one to do it. But the person that knows who did it and knows who he is is watching right now, I guarantee you. You remember in the last uh, Academy Awards, uh, the Oscars, uh, this this street artist named Sabo um, took over a billboard and uh, and he had a, a sign on it that says Oscar for the biggest pedophilia go uh, biggest pedophile goes to. So, you know this uh, this pedophilia that goes on out in Hollywood is is sort of an open secret. And they they do it the same way they do the casting couch. Uh, you know they make these these uh, people believe that this is just the price of admission if you want to be a star in Hollywood that this is what you have to put up with. And by the way, it's not just women and children. It's also um, male actors. If you want to be a male actor out in Hollywood, it doesn't matter if you're straight. You're going to have to um, you're going to have to submit 
to these uh, to these sick people out there. And I'm uh, I'm convinced and have been for the longer time that the longest time that there are no more crazy people in this world than the people in in Hollywood. It is a cesspool. If you go right over into the uh, San Fernando Valley, you're into the porn industry. That's even bigger than the regular movie industry that destroys uh, the lives of young girls coming out there seeking their dream of stardom by the thousands every year. And they don't like it when you bring this stuff to life. Here's a clip of Corey Feldman appearing on The View with Barbara Walters back when she was the main uh, dame over there. And I want you to listen to how she characterized what Feldman is doing by blowing the lid off of this. I'm saying that there are people that were the people that did this to both me and Corey yeah. that are still working, they're still out there, and they're some of the richest, most powerful people in this business. And they are And they do not want me saying what I'm saying right now. Are you saying that they're pedophiles? Yes. And that yes. they're still in this business? Yes. That's what, yeah, and that's what you were saying wow. in your book. When you talk to parents... You talk to they parents, don't want me here right now. Trust Corey, me. There, there are a lot of parents out here yeah. who want to put their kids in this in this business. They, their kids are cute. They're great actors. Da, da, da. What would you say to a parent who just has the best of intentions who's coming here with their child? Don't do it. If um, you're saying that there's a lot of predators in this industry. It's a many-feathered bird. Okay? Be careful what you wish for. That's what I'll tell you. You know, don't go into it with naivety. Don't go into it thinking that it's all roses and You're sunglasses. You're damaging and an entire industry. You're damaging an entire industry. I'm sorry, I'm not, it's all roses and You're sunglasses. You're damaging an entire industry. I'm That's sorry, what she's concerned about. Don't do any I'm damage to, to Hollywood. This is our bread and butter. Serious topic. You said We've got just a little time left, and before I leave you, I want to play you this clip of Roseanne, who is another uh, lunatic Hollywood denizen. Uh, but she sat down with an interview to talk about, uh, you know, how she's been exiled for making far less uh, serious, uh, uh, offensive jokes than, than these uh, pedophile jokes. Difference. I'm trying to talk about Iran. I'm trying to talk about Valerie Jarrett wrote the Iran deal. I know, but you've told me this 300 times. <sighs> Do you know that a... That's what my tweet was about. I know. You've explained this literally 300 times. I thought the bitch was white! God damn it! I thought the bitch was white! <laughs> These people are crazy, ladies and gentlemen. They're crazy. That takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I want to thank you for joining us. And I invite you back here again tomorrow on Mojo 5.0 and the Talk America Radio Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.